you are listening to the Practice Growth Podcast with Sean Terrell. Welcome to the Practice Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Terrell, and really excited about this week's discussion and our guest, Dr. Chong Shao. Dr. Shao is co-owner dentist at Jones County Family Dentistry, which has two locations, two separate locations in both Anamosa and Monticello, Iowa. Dr. Chong, great to have you on the Practice Growth Podcast. Thank you for making time to share your story with us today. Hey, thanks, Sean. Excited to be here. So the place I always like to start is just with some background for the audience. So could you begin by just giving everyone a little bit of context for how you reached this current point of your dentistry career? <laughs> sure. So I grew up in Iowa City. Um, my, my family immigrated to the U.S. when I was 10, and I spent you know, most of my um, life in Iowa City growing up. Went to University of Iowa for undergrad. And then went to University of Iowa for for um, for dental school. And after I graduated, went to University of Oklahoma and did a residency in the in the children's hospital. Hospital it was a general residency, but it, it was just happened to be in the children's hospital. Um, moved around a little bit for a few years to I practiced in Denver, Colorado, Greenville, South Carolina, and then um, my now wife. Um, and I, when we were down in South Carolina, decided, you know, we should probably go closer to home. She's from Cedar Rapids. So we came back to Iowa um, and, uh, and we were associates with the practice. We are, we, we are owners now of, um, and then we, in, in the, at the end of 2019, we bought the practice Jones County Family Dentistry, the two locations. And so, yeah, we're having fun uh, practicing dentistry uh, here in our practice. So that's what I'm interested to dive into a little bit deeper, a little bit later on in the conversation is just the idea of what it's like to try to buy two practices and sort of merge them together and also practice with your spouse. But before we get into the weeds there, I want to back up a step even before that. Those first three, four years out of dental school, there was a, a few different practices in a few different states. Uh, just maybe expand a little bit more on that journey. Were you trying to accomplish anything in particular or was it uh, more just bouncing around to what looked like the next best opportunity? Maybe share some some background there. Yeah, so I've, I've, I'm, a, I'm a big skier. I, I love to be outdoors. And I, love, I love to hike. So I, I was a, when I was kind of near the end of my residency and had to, kind of had to figure out where I wanted to practice, um, I, I couldn't say in Oklahoma, they did not take the, uh, the, the, the credentialing stuff that, um, I would have to take boards again. And I will, I wasn't about to do that. So I said, well, you know, Denver, Colorado sounds like a pretty nice place. Everyone seems really happy there. I get to ski, um, you know, the, the, all the mountains would be my backyard. It'd be pretty cool. So, um, I signed on, um, to kind of a corporate dentistry gig in, in, in Denver, um, did that for a year and kind of realized I, I wasn't, I didn't really like the corporate setting. Um, so I transitioned into a, a, a private practice around the, in that area. Um, it was a four doc practice, extremely busy. Um, and I, and I, re, I decided I really liked the private practice life a lot better, but I, um, ever since residency, I, I've just always have wanted to own my own practice and, um, that opportunity wasn't there for me in Denver. So, um, so I moved to Greenville, um, and 
so my Katie, my wife, she was actually working in Greenville at the time. Um, life had brought us back together. So I moved down to Greenville to join her and, and she was working for this, um, this kind of a corporate, smaller corporate dentistry chain, which I've joined as well. And there is where I really kind of learned a lot of the business aspect of dentistry. Um, and that kind of segued into us wanting to figure out a way to own our own practice and, and that transition, you know, back, back to bringing us home, um, to Iowa. Um, I've just always had a curious mind, want to do everything I, in, in Denver. I was kind of my first foray into just trying business ownership. I've owned the, owned the business for a short period of time out there to do mobile dentistry when went around to, um, homeless shelters, battered women shelters, retirement homes, care centers, and just the dentistry, um, you know, out of the trunk of the car. Um, and just took care of the people there. Um, I also had a, a kind of a little brief business where I did tech support for people. I, I charged people. I've always been kind of a tech geek. And, and I thought, you know, I got some knowledge. I could probably help people with kind of be the geek, you know, the private geek squad that Best Buy offers. So <laughs> <laughs> I started service out there and I, and I charged a pretty penny to come to people's home and just kind of, you know, help them with setting up their DVD players or transfer photos off their video cameras, stuff like that. Uh, okay. So that, that's where kind of the business bug bit me in, in Denver. And then, you know, kind of at, at this point, I think it's kind of come to full uh, fruition with us owning the practices now. That is, that is really an interesting journey. So I just want to recap and make sure I got it right and make sure the audience got it. So you graduate from dental school with your DDS in 2014 in yep. June, and then you do a one-year general practice residency in Oklahoma for a year. Yep. Yep. And if I understood correctly, Oklahoma as a state would not recognize your, your board exam from Iowa, but Colorado would. Right. Uh, so you wouldn't have to take boards again. And Colorado offered the mountains, which was really good for, for skiing and hiking. So you, you, <laughs> right. that looked appealing. Uh, you tried private practice, you tried uh, corporate practice, and you also did mobile dentistry all while you were in Colorado. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Okay. And then you bounced down to South Carolina uh, with your, your now wife and, and practiced down there for a year? Yep. Okay. And uh, a, then, couple, a couple of years, year and a half. Yeah. Okay. And then you guys moved the decision or made the decision that you wanted to uh, live life together, get back to Iowa, where you're both from on the eastern side of the state in Iowa, and looked at uh, buying a practice together there uh, a couple of years ago in 2019. Yeah, I think you summed that up pretty good. <laughs> so how much of that was planned and how much of it was just sort of like you kind of figuring things out along the way? I think it was just figuring things out on the way um, as... Life went on, my needs changed, personal needs, financial needs. Um, so I was always looking for that opportunity to move up, I suppose, mm -hmm. make more money or uh, find more free time, you know, whatever I wanted. And then the move back to Iowa was, was kind of a decision when we started thinking about having a family. Um, neither of us thought the the life in a big city was what we had wanted um, for the rest of our lives. I think we appreciated the life in Iowa where both of us obviously grew up here. So we love the people back here. We love the way life, you know, people live their lives in Iowa. Um, and from a business standpoint, 
so both of us haven't been in bigger cities now. Uh, Greenville, South Carolina, it was kind of this up and coming city, and it's about a million people in the in the upstate area there. Okay, um, so it was a bigger city. It was it was taking. Um, I was driving forty minutes each way for commute to go practice, and, and when I was in Denver, it was kind of a similar situation. I was spending a good amount of time on the road, um, and neither of us really wanted that anymore. We thought, you know, we we could we could use another an hour and a half. Um, every day in our lives to do whatever else other than spend it in the car. Mm-hmm. So we had moved back. It, it was us, you know, look for the more simpler life. So we moved here to Anamosa, um, a much, much smaller town than, than um, Denver and Greenville and Oklahoma city. Um, and I mean, we love it here. So I think a lot of listeners might be able to identify with being in private practice or being in corporate dentistry or living in a big city. But maybe the thing that is a little bit more uncommon about part of your journey is the mobile dentistry. And you and you hit on it a little bit ago, and I don't want to brush over it because it's, it's interesting to me. Could you explore a little bit more or share a little bit more about when you did that in Colorado, what that entailed and maybe what you learned from, from doing that? Sure. Um, so in dental school, um, our class had this unique opportunity of getting a, uh, public health distinction. Um, we, we took classes in the third year of dental school. We, we took a trip down to Cotopec, Mexico and kind of did some, um, dental services down there for people in it. And I, and I really loved public health because, you know, a lot of us got into healthcare to help people. And not that traditional dentistry doesn't do that, but public health just has a unique way of giving back to the community. So when I was in dental school, I always thought maybe I would um, work for maybe a healthcare uh, public health center, um, kind of offer the benefit of um, they, they would give you a stipend, pay back your loans, and and also I would be able to you know help the people that really needed it. But when I, when I graduated residency, I financially I I didn't think that it was going to be an option. There was, um, I was faced with, you know, had to pay rent, had to pay student loans. And I was kind of getting sick of not, you know, always having to worry about money, trying to pay off the loans. Um, so I decided I need to go to uh, either a private practice or a corporate practice where I'm going to be able to make the salary um, that I want so I can take care of myself financially. So the, my, my, uh, my wish to, you know, do public health, just, it just never happened. After I got established in De- Denver for a year and a half, um, I kind of wanted to get back into what I wanted to do in dental school. So that's when I looked around, kind of um, found a couple of people that that were, you know, doing mobile dentistry. Got hooked up with them to um, to do that, and then eventually, a few months later, you know, started this little business that didn't exactly pan out because I, um, what it, it it consumed a lot of my time, um, but it. I, it gave me, um, gave me a sense of self satisfaction that I was able to help the people that really needed the people that weren't able to afford dentistry. So we would, you know, we would, um, every Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, um, after, after work, we would drive to whatever site we were needed to schedule for that day. And, um, and just do whatever dentistry we could. And people would be sitting in, in just regular chairs and, we would extract teeth, um, you know, do impressions, get people dentures, partials to replace teeth, do some basic dentistry. Um, yeah, it was, it was, it was just a fun experience. It, it was different. And I like that. Interesting. So you had sort of, 
I don't want to call it a suitcase, but you probably could only bring the equipment and the tools with you that you could reasonably carry in one or two trips from your from your vehicle to wherever you were setting up and seeing patients. Right. Um, <laughs> that, it, yeah, it, yeah. But now my first thought was that that might limit what you could do uh, dentistry-wise, but it sounds like there was still a fair amount of uh, procedures you could still accomplish even setting up uh, with a mobile location. Yeah, I think a lot of these, um, the, the people that were in these places wanted, wanted the cleaning, which, you know, was very easy to do. Um, we had a mobile suitcase for, for a hygienist that we had hired or that we could use that provided suction and, and, and water spray so we can do cleanings. Um, and, but a lot of people, it was just kind of putting out fires. People would have, um, toothaches or, or abscesses and we just need to take the tooth out and it doesn't take a lot of instrument to to remove teeth so we were able to do that and you know take care of people and i would have to imagine uh if 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 that was a lot of the procedures there was a fair amount of pain with some of those patients the was the gratefulness and the appreciation what one might expect for someone that had been in significant dental pain when you saw those type of patients yeah i i I think so um i think we were our services were very valued people were extremely appreciative and that but that was what I had liked because when you practice in, in, in general dentistry is just a traditional practice. Every once in a while you would, you would get patients that would come in that are, they're not very appreciative of what you do for them. It's, it's your service is expected. You're, you're, we're in the service industry and we're there to make people happy and they, and they expect that. And that takes the fun out of dentistry sometimes when, you know, people don't value what you do for them because they feel like, well, I'm, I'm giving you this money, so you should do exactly what I want you to do. So by providing mobile dentistry, you know, we weren't really getting paid a whole lot for it. We would file Medicaid or whatever insurance they had. Um, they were a lot more appreciative because this is true that they never would have gotten otherwise. Um, so, and, and that feeling kind of led me. So when I moved to Anamosa, um, I was working at the private practice and I had a, I had Mondays off. Um, in Anamosa, you, you, you might or might not know, we, we have the state penitentiary, um, Anamosa State Penitentiary here in town. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's um, the, when I, when I was, when I first joined there, they lost their longtime dentist and, and they were kind of on the search for a new dentist. And while they're in the middle of the search, they kind of approached us and say, hey, do you guys have anyone that's willing to help us out for a day? Um, and I said, yeah, you know, what do you need? You just need extractions. I'll come and do it. So it kind of led me to helping out with the state penitentiary here in town. And it kind of gave me a whole nother perspective of, of dentistry and helping people because it, it was kind of the same feeling that I got when I did my mobile dentistry. It was kind of helping out inmates that wouldn't really have access to good. They don't care otherwise if, if you know, if, if there wasn't a dentist uh, on site to do those kinds of things. And they were extremely appreciative as well. In a situation there as well where maybe they'd had some pain or have some pain and have been in pain for a while. And you're a, if they've been waiting to see you for a few weeks or even longer, you're a savior at that point. Yeah. Yeah. And that's certainly the feeling I've got. They were very appreciative. They were, you know, it was, it was always a great conversation. You, 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 um, you learn to not see people for what they're wearing at the time, you know, the prison garbs and, um, and you kind of just accept them as a person who's in pain. You try to do the best you can to help them out. Interesting. Interesting kind of how that has come full circle in just the, the short six, seven years of, of your career. 
So, uh, yeah, let's shift gears here a little bit. So where I'd like to go next is sort of this decision to move back to Iowa after you've kind of bounced around a little bit for four or five years and, and start a practice uh, and, and also merge two practices uh, together in, into one. Could you just give a little bit of background on how all that came together? Sure. So um, we we found this opportunity in Animosa. Um when I saw a, a kind of an ad placed by Dr. Warner, who's was, who's was the former owner of the our practice in Mosa, um, he was looking for an associate, and I answered answered this this ad and, and, and interviewed. Um, once we once we decided, yep, everything was going to work out. Um, I said, hey, my wife's a dentist. You know, do you got any opportunities to take her on? Um, and he said, yeah, there's there's a dentist in Monticello, which is a town uh, 10, 12 miles away fairly close by. Um, but Dr. Sin is looking to sell his Monticello practice. We talked about it for a little while, you know, um, you know, we can, maybe there's something there. So long story short, he ended up purchasing the Monticello practice and when we kind of merged and, and formed into Jones County family dentistry. Uh, and as time went on, um, Katie and I become, became more interested in practice ownership. Uh, I had been looking for practice ownership at all for a long time. And this is kind of the perfect opportunity. So we approached Dr. Warner to buy both of the practices. And at the end of 2019, um, we, the paperwork got signed. We purchased the, both of the practices from him and then, you know, COVID hit three months later. So it was, yeah, it was a great year for us. <laughs> so COVID notwithstanding, what were some of the, what were some of the hurdles, I guess, in merging two practices together? They had recently been merged before you purchased them, but sort of that whole process is a lot of moving parts all at once, not to mention yeah, COVID. <laughs> absolutely. So um, purchasing two practices, you know, at the same time, it's um, you have two loyal staff that have been working for a dentist for a long period of time. So, um, some of the staff that our, at our animals office has been with Dr. Warner for 10, 20 plus years. Um, they're used to the way certain things are done and animals that had their own system. Likewise, a lot of their um, Latin employees there had more for Dr. Sims for 10, 20 plus years. Um, so bringing the practice together, one of the probably biggest difficulty was how, how do we get the staff to kind of adapt to this new system that we're going to create? Um, as, as, as great as both of the practices were ran previously, um, with us being new owners, we have a different idea. We have different vision of where we, where we want to take the practice. We saw things in, when we were practicing bigger cities that smaller town practices just simply don't do. And we saw the opportunity to be able to implement some of those things, um, into these two small town practices. So the difficulty lies in trying to get all the staff to share your vision and to work towards that vision. That was probably the hardest thing that, you know, we, we went through. So high level Anamosa's practice had done things one way for a number of years. Uh, Monticello's practice had done things a different way for a number of years. And now you're trying right. to take both of those practices and both of them do things that the way that, systematically really high level you and Dr. Katie want to do things moving forward for both practices. Is that yeah. uh, a good summation? Yeah, that, no, that's, that's a great summation. Was one practice closer uh, than the other in terms of with, I guess the growth or the changes that needed to be made or how did that all fit together? 
So I, I would say the Animosa practice was was a little bit closer. Animosa practice had a, a bigger staff, um, higher production. So it, it was closer to getting to the goal that we had set for the practices. Um, in a small town practice, I think um, smaller town practices have this reputation of just doing bread and butter dentistry. So when Katie and I had joined, we, we brought different skill sets to both of the practices. So the staff kind of had to learn how do we start offering these new procedures? How do we, how do we process the insurance? How do we, you know, assist all the new supplies and equipment that we have to purchase to do oral surgery or to do, um, we, we offer braces and Invisalign out of our monocell office. So that's, you know, that's a new skill that everyone had to learn. Hmm. And what about Animosa? Was there a number of new offerings there as well, just to clarify? Yeah, the um, Animosa practice, when, when I had joined, they did um, your traditional um, drill and fill, fillings, crowns, and kind of standard dentistry. Um, I When I joined, I, we started offering um, oral surgery procedures, tooth extractions, uh, bone grafting for, for implants. Um, so it, we didn't have... Um, as far to go as a monocellar practice. Um, but yeah, the, um, there, there was quite a bit of things that the animals and staff had to, had to learn as well. Well, it sounds like a good opportunity because again, high level, but was a number of those procedures being referred out to other specialists prior to you taking ownership of both of those practices? Definitely. We're so to the bigger towns close by Cedar Rapids and Buke. And it's about a 30 minute drive to Cedar Rapids and, and, probably a 45 minute drive to debut. So um, in, in a small town, um, people that live here really want to keep business in small towns. They don't, they don't want to make the drive. They don't want to take an hour out of their day to go see a specialist, you know, to have a procedure done. So by offering these procedures, people felt like they were giving back and supporting the local economy. And mm-hmm. they save time out of their days that they didn't have to go somewhere else to get the procedure done. Absolutely. Absolutely. Having grown up in a small uh, northwest part of the state, I can definitely recognize kind of that inclination among small town people. Just for context, uh, population wise, what is roughly Anamosa and then also Monticello? Oh, man. I, I think Anamosa is 4,500 people, including the inmates. Um, and Monticello, I think, is about 35. Don't quote me on that, but I, I think I'm in the ballpark. But small well, towns. Yep. Yeah, I felt like we were mentioning small towns enough that we, for anyone that's not from <laughs> Iowa, we that's listening, we had to give a little bit of context. So, yep. no, that's helpful. So, how do you and Dr. Katie, your wife, how do you think about, are you each operating the separate practices in a silo? Like you're the only doc that sees patients for the most part in Anamosa and she's the primary doc in, in, in Monticello? Or how do you guys divide that labor so to speak yeah when initially we had thought maybe i would go to monticello part-time and and do surgical procedures like extractions she didn't really enjoy doing doing some of that stuff i'm um, i like doing procedures like uh, taking out teeth and um, full mouth rehabilitations and more aesthetic cases so she we initially had thought maybe i would go over there one one or two days a week but as the practices got busier, we just didn't have time. So um, the way it is now, I'm full-time in Animosa. Katie's full-time in Monticello. 
will refer patients back and forth. So she, we only offer orthodontic procedures in our Monticello office. So if a patient animal, so once braces or Invisalign, they will go to our Monticello practice. Hmm. Um, Katie does take out teeth, but she doesn't enjoy it quite as much as I do. So if she has a patient that has a little more advanced, um, advanced disease, they'll get referred over to our animosa office, people with jaw issues, sleep apnea, um, that's looking for um, full mouth rehabilitations. They'll get referred over to animals and I see them. Interesting. And, you know, the, the old saying opposites attract or yin and yang, it's, it's, it's interesting how it fits together. <laughs> yeah, married, yeah but very it, much so. It almost seems like a great dentistry fit as well in terms of the way. Uh, yeah, we, we didn't know how it's going to work <laughs> out. You know, obviously, neither of us are professionals. This is the first time we're doing this, but it just we kind of figured out as we went along. It's worked out great. So you didn't settle on the dentistry first. You made sure, and I'm kidding. At the, <laughs> if you can't tell, you can't see my face. We're recording this. Like yeah. you made sure you're a good match to be married together, not just on the dentistry side, right? Yeah. <laughs> when you say you know Yang Yang, I think that certainly describes us. She's a she's a people person. She's she's extremely social. She's always, she's always joked that she can talk to a wall, and and she's just she, great. Patients love her. And I'm, I'm a little more of the opposite. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not as outgoing as her. I, I wouldn't say I'm as social as her kind of a nerd. I do a lot of research and, and in that aspect, I think we're, you know, we're different, but, um, we share our sense of humor. Um, so, uh, you know, it's, yeah, it's, again, it's worked out great for us. How do you guys bring dentistry home or do you have rules or around, you know, where to draw the line about talking about work when you're at home how do you handle that so we we've always said we're we weren't going to bring work home but i I, as time went on that that just didn't seem possible um it was it was the only it was the only way to do it we had to bring home we had to set up a work office just so neither of us are spending um our time after work at the practices, we can come home and enjoy the comfort of our home, but also be able to work here without having to go to the practices. Um, but we, we, we try to not to, not to talk too much at home. Um, I currently I'm kind of the one that does a lot of the business stuff. I, I do the books. I make all the decisions uh, associated with the business. Um, and Katie, uh, has taken on more of a role to run our family life. So it's kind of a division of labor that, that has worked for us. And business-wise, do you have separate entities for each practice or is it all melded into one? How have you it's, put that together? It's all, it's all one entity. Um, it ended up being simpler when the pra- practices were uh, evaluated. They were, the valuation was as one. Dr. Warner had ran both practices as one entity. Um, so it, it just seemed more simple not to split it up that way. Um, there are ways in, in the books that we kind of keep track of everything separately, but you know, in all, yeah, it's, it's, we don't have separate um, tax IDs for, for the practices. And you're only a year or so into, into this, but, and COVID was <laughs> obviously took a big chunk out of that, but what's, what's the future vision for both practices together? Well, we're, we're definitely growing. Um, small town dentistry has been great. We have great, loyal patients. We have fantastic staff. Everyone's very close with each other or, or, you know, the staff as well as families. Um, So we're kind of in the stage where 
we're growing a little faster than we like, but that's a good problem to have. So trying to figure out how do we keep up with the growth? How do we tweak our system to be ready for the growth? Um, where our front desk, who's also a family friend, Megan, she's um, decided that she's going to go and help with the family business. So currently we we're, we're hiring for a front desk position at a Monticello office, but um, yeah, really just dealing with the growth that's come to Animosa. Interesting. Interesting. And I don't know where this fits in, but it, it was interesting to, to me to, to use the word interesting too many times in a row. Uh, <laughs> you immigrated from Beijing, China when you were 10 years old. How did, how did that fit into your story and maybe your dental story as well? You know, when you're 10 years old, getting to be your teenage years, the more, you know, stereotypically more difficult years in a kid's life. Um, I was kind of thrust in this environment where I had to make new friends, live in a new world, um, speak a new language. Um, my parents were, they, we didn't have a whole lot of money, but they taught me how to work hard. Hmm. And I think that inspired me to do what I do today. Um, that, you know, I think, have living the life of immigrant family, see my parents being hard workers because at, at that point we, my parents essentially had to restart over again. Um, they were, we, they were in their late thirties when we immigrated here, kind of gave up everything in China to come over here. So we started over again. So me watching them struggle through everything and all the personal development that they've, you know, had to take on, um, inspired me to just be a better person and hard worker. That's awesome. I appreciate you sharing that. So for people that are interested in learning more about your practices and learning more about your story, or maybe even get in touch with you, what's the best way to do that? Dr. John? Yeah, so we have a, we have a Facebook page that we um, frequently post on Jones County family dentistry on Facebook. Uh, if you want to get a hold of me uh, personally, send me an email, uh, D R S H A O at Jones County that is Dr. Chong Shao, co-owner of Jones County Family Dentistry. Really enjoyed the conversation, and I thank you for sharing your perspective and for being a guest on the Practice Growth Podcast. Yeah, thank you so much, Sean. Terrell Advisors, LLC, is a registered investment advisor. The information presented should not be interpreted or construed as investment, legal, tax, financial planning, or wealth management advice. It does not substitute for personalized investment or financial planning from Terrell Advisors, LLC. This podcast conveys the views and opinions of Sean Terrell, and the information herein should not be considered a solicitation to engage in a particular investment or financial planning strategy. Information presented is for educational purposes only, and past performance is not indicative of future results.